Good evening, everyone. Happy Friday to you. It's Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Staying indoors, staying healthy. Our governor of the great state of Illinois just issued a additional 30 days of lockdown stay-at-home order yesterday. So it looks like we're going to be packing it in till Memorial Day at least. I know school's been canceled for the rest of the year. Youth sports have been canceled for the rest of the year. Doesn't look like concerts are going to happen anytime soon. Doesn't look like sporting events, at least with crowds, are going to happen anytime soon. Don't know what's going to happen. But another 30 days of only going to the grocery store and only doing the bare necessities, getting what you need instead of getting what you want. It'll be over sooner or later. And hopefully we're all able to carry on and enjoy what the new normal will be because there will be a new normal. Things will not be as they used to be. It's just the way it's going to happen when you think of restaurants and health departments and what's been happening and what's going to need to happen. Things are going to change. As far as it goes, we don't know, but there will be change. But nonetheless, I hope we're... An escape for you. I hope the content we've been doing, you've enjoyed, you've been entertained, you've been informed. That's what the goal is here, to give you something to do, give you something to listen to while you're indoors and looking for activities to keep your mind busy. Feedback is always encouraged. If you want to drop me a direct message on Twitter, at The Hook Rocks, or on Facebook, you can find us If you search The Hook Rocks, you can join the group and you can give us any type of feedback you want. Always appreciate. We're on all podcast platforms, almost all podcast platforms, I should say. I know there's one I'm waiting for an approval on. Hopefully that happens here uh, soon. And we're just continuing to grow this. I know I talked earlier in the year about YouTube and a website. Unfortunately, those projects have taken a lot longer than I anticipated, but those should be here shortly too. And I got to get off my ass and develop an Instagram page because I've been wanting to do that as well. And I've just been lazy. There's really no other way to describe it and say it. Just been a lazy ass. But it's also because I've been recording so many episodes. So, but no, I got to get to that. I know uh, the page that I wanted to do for it is mostly for concert photos that I've been to in that experience. So I know uh, there really won't be too much content or polls or anything. I don't even know if you can do polls on on Instagram, but mostly it's just going to be photos of shows that I've been to and that I've enjoyed and, you know, about the podcast and episodes and who's on the show and who's coming up and all that stuff. So that'll be coming too. It's just a matter of getting to it. You know, having a a real-life job while all this is going on is not exactly the easiest thing to do when you're managing, you know, recording episodes and developing things and, you know, working your real job in life. And so it's not exactly uh, easy when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I hope you understand, and I hope you'll continue the journey with me as we move forward. Um 
like I said, I'm, I'm really excited about the content that's coming up. And speaking of content that's coming up, I want to talk to you about what we're doing here tonight. We're going to introduce a new segment that's going to be every Friday night. And every Friday night, we're going to do a classic album rewind. The albums that you loved when you were growing up. And we're going to talk about them here on the podcast, or I'm going to talk about them. And you can comment below what you heard and, and what you thought about my opinion on, on these records and how they impacted me. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this because I think this is really cool. I, I know we did one when we first started for Journey Escape. And and those that listen to the introduction episode know why the Journey Escape album was such a big impact for me and why it meant so much to me when I was younger. Uh, for those that have not heard that, you can listen to the introduction episode, our very first episode where I talk about that, and then you can hear the, I think I called it classic album review back in June when I started this. But this is moving forward. It's going to be classic album rewind. And first up on the list is an album that impacted me so much growing up. It's I still listen to it today. It still sounds just as good as it did when it was released in March of 1982. I'm talking about Iron Maiden's The Number of the Beast. This is probably their biggest album in terms of recognition. Most people, when you ask them or talk to them about Iron Maiden, this is the album that comes up. This is probably their most popular or well-known album. When you think about the seven albums released in the 80s by Iron Maiden. You start off with their debut. And you have Killers in 81, Number of the Beast in 82, Peace of Mind after that, then Power Slave, then Somewhere in Time, The Seven Son of the Seven Son, plus their live album. I mean, that's eight albums over a course of a decade that just blew the doors off of everyone. When you, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So when you're wrapped up in this, obviously Bon Jovi was huge, and Def Leppard was huge, and Motley Crue was huge, and you know a lot of bands had their their one album in the eighties. You know, Guns and Roses had Appetite for Destruction, Van Halen had nineteen eighty four, and Women and Children First, and Diver Down, and Fair Warning, and Fifty One Fifty, and OU812, it's like, I think that's six. And you could probably make an argument for Van Halen, although I think Diver Down and OU812 were on the weak side of releases. I know Eddie Van Halen didn't want to release Diver Down or didn't you know, wanted to take a break, and he was kind of upset at the whole situation, and that really was what led to the downfall. There were things before that, but the recording of Diver Down really didn't sit well with Eddie, and that's a whole other topic of conversation for a later time. But Iron Maiden, having two singers, Paul Diano and to Bruce Dickinson, two drummers, Clive Burr into Nico McBrain. You know, changes were prevalent in Iron Maiden and they seamlessly created great music without or with all the changes. So um, it's a testament to them. But Number of the Beast is their most popular record. 
And what impacted me on this album was the cover. I saw the cover before I heard any of the music. I've told this story a few times during a few episodes. I was at a, my parents had friends, obviously. (laughs) My parents had, and we would go over there for dinner, and they had some older kids at the time. I think I was eight years old, seven, eight, nine years old around that. And they had kids that were in high school. They had like four boys that were significantly older than my brother and I. And after dinner, we went up to one of the rooms of one of the teenage boys. I think the son in particular that I'm talking about was probably eighth grade or seventh grade or something like that. And I think he was closer in age to my brother. Well, anyway, we were in his room and there was this poster of Iron Maiden, The Number of the Beast, and it was from the very bottom of the wall all the way to the top. It was this huge, gigantic thing. And it glue in the dark, which was really cool, too, as well. You know, it's one of those posters that different parts of the poster or whatever, the way it was printed, allowed it to glow in the dark. I forget what they call it. They call it, like, fluorescence or something like that. Well, anyway... I stared at the wall, at this poster, for a long time. I mean, maybe the whole time I was in the room because I was in Catholic school, I had religion class every day, and here I was looking at the devil and looking at this monster behind the devil. It was unbelievable. It was so scary and exciting at the same time. I didn't really know what to think. And when we left the house that night, when we left these friends' house, friends of the family, I still hadn't heard any song by this band. I still didn't know what Iron Maiden was. Still didn't know what they were about. I had no idea what they sounded like. But the image of the album cover resonated with me, connected with me in some odd, strange, crazy, exciting way. Fast forward, probably like three months later, a friend of mine from down the street at the time wanted to have a sleepover, and they had a camper for when they used when they went camping, and they were airing it out for upcoming camping trips throughout the spring and summer. And he's like, "Hey, you want to come sleep in the camper tonight?" You know, blah blah. blah. So I got my parents to agree to have me sleep over. And, of course, like any young kid or young kids in a sleepover, we're not going to bed anytime soon. We're staying up late. We're staying up to the wee hours of the morning. His brother, who is my brother's age, came home with a, with a friend, and they came in the camper, and they had a boombox, you know, one of those stereos with, I think I don't know if it was a dual cassette or single cassette with two speakers on each side. And they had the Iron Maiden number of the Beast cassette. And they started to play it. And the first song was Invaders, which I thought was, you know, this is kind of really cool. This is a, a, a great song or a good song. And then Children of the Damned came on, which, you know, still, you know, both Invaders and Children of the Damned I like, but it still wasn't like over the top, like, wow. And then the song Prisoner came on with the intro and then the drums. And being in this closed environment in a camper, the drums, first of all, are incredible to begin with. 
But when they're echoing in this camper, it just was wow. And then the song just took off, and at that moment, I became an Iron Maiden fan for life. It was magic. And I, you know, and, and at that time, when you, you know, when you're growing up and you're listening to all this music and everything's new because you're young, you have a lot of moments that feel like magic. And this was definitely one of them. 22 Acacia Avenue came after that, and then Number of the Beast, same type of intro, like the, like the Prisoner, and then into these, and, and then the guitars kicked in, and then Bruce Dickinson's voice, it was just, it was like larger than life jumping out of the speakers, coming right at me, into my eardrums, into my brain, putting a smile on my face. This was great. And then run to the hills with the drums of Clive Burr and the fills and the hook was just tremendous. Gangland was all right. Toy Eclipse was all right. You know, I, I learned to appreciate Toy Eclipse years later. Gangland never has connected with me it's a decent song but it's never one it's kind of the one that i skip over if i'm listening to this album and then the ending with hell will be thy name the epic hell will be thy name and hearing that for the first time and and with the album cover again i still didn't know what they looked like except what was on the back of the album it was awesome it was it was incredible I then saw the video for The Number of the Beast and saw the video for Run to the Hills later on, maybe a few months after that. But Iron Maiden really resonated with me, and it was because of this album. This album, of course, was their third album released after leaving, or after Paul Diano leaving the band, and there's reasons for that. Steve Harris really wanted to progress musically, and he felt that Paul Diano could not handle the vocals that were going to be needed in the songs that he was creating. He didn't feel like he had the range that someone like Bruce Dickinson had. And I agree with that. You know, when you listen to Iron Maiden, you listen to Killers, those are both outstanding albums. Murders in the Rue Morgue is one of my favorite songs. Running Free is one of my favorite songs. I don't think Paul Diano would have been able to handle Number of the Beast or Run to the Hills or The Prisoner or any of those songs. Even moving forward, Peace of Mind or Power Slave. Can you imagine Paul Diano trying to sing Aces High? Would never happen. Can you imagine him trying to sing Hell Will Be Thy Name? Wouldn't happen. So it was the right move for the band. I know people are still connected to those first two records and still like to claim that those first two albums the self-titled Iron Maiden album and Killers are their best. I disagree. I think their best, in my opinion, is The Number of the Beast and Power Slave. I think those are the two uh, from the 80s that I feel are their are their best records. Peace of Mind's great too. Somewhere in Time, Seventh Son, are all, they're all great. I mean, none of them are bad. I'm not saying one of them is bad, but I'm just saying in my opinion. This album also was the last album to feature Clive Burr, the drummer. Nico McBrain replaced him on Peace of Mind and Moving Forward. It was the first time Adrian Smith got a writing credit, writing credit on an Iron Maiden record. 
one of the reasons why, or the main reason why Bruce Dickinson didn't get any writing credits was because he was still under contract with the band Samson, which was another new wave of British heavy metal band. So there's some a little bit of history there as to why those, uh, or why he didn't get any writing credits. There was a lot of controversy also about this album. The religious groups across the country with the imagery of the devil and this beast behind him didn't like it. I remember going to Catholic school and people getting in trouble for writing the Iron Maiden logo on folders. It was a very controversial album, largely because of the cover and largely because of the song, The Number of the Beast and Hallowed Be Thy Name. Although if you ever dive into the lyrics of those songs, you realize that it's not about Satanism or, you know, being, you know, it's not about being satanic. But the songs still remain classic for this album. You know, I mentioned Invaders of the first song, very underrated track in the Iron Maiden catalog. Children of the Dam is a song that they continue to play live to this day, one of the great songs from this album, again, standing the test of time, The Prisoner. Every time I hear the drums in the beginning, I still feel like that young kid again. It still hits me the same way, no matter how many times I hear it. It just resonates with me. It just connects with me. It is one of my favorite drum parts on any song that I've ever heard. I can tell you of numerous times of me driving in my car or me sitting with the remote on my CD player while I lay on the couch. Just I keep going back to that while the song's being played. I just need to hear it over and over again. It's a a phenomenal drum intro. And to me, like I said, it still sounds like I'm that eight, nine-year-old kid again. 22 Acacia Avenue. One, again, another underrated track. Doesn't get the recognition that you know, it deserves, similar to Invaders. Then, of course, The Number of the Beast. With the intro again, the 666. And then the guitar starts, and then Bruce Dickinson just wails on vocals on this, on this track. It's just incredible. His range. If there's a song, if there's probably two songs that really show the range of... Bruce Dickinson and why Paul Diano would never be able to create such magic with singing these songs. It's the number of the beast, and I'll probably have to say, Hell will be thy name. Run of the Hills, of course, The Prisoner, um, which leads me to my, the next track, which was Run of the Hills, which is by and large their most popular song. You know, you can make an argument for Aces High, or you can say the Trooper. Um, you know, maybe maybe Wasted Years, maybe, I mean, Number of the Beast is another very popular one. But Run of the Hills is very recognizable. It's got a great hook. It's got these soaring vocals, these incredible drum fills. It really is a song that represents Iron Maiden very well. And then on to Gangland, like I said earlier, Never Connected Me, still hasn't. It's kind of a eh, song. Um, it's kind of a, to me, it sounds like filler. And Hallowed Be Thy Name is just where it's at. 
you know, one of the things that I learned after learning more about Iron Maiden was the song Gangland. Steve Harris did not want on the album. He wanted Total Eclipse. He wanted Total Eclipse to be part of the record. And Total Eclipse is a good song. Um, you know, you know, I, I probably put it in the same vein of 22 Acacia, 22 Acacia Avenue and Invaders. But it's an interesting little point about the record that Steve Harris was against having Gangland and maybe the other guys overruled him or maybe the producer did. But a uh, little interesting fact about the record. There's been many reissues on this record. Iron Maiden has been known to do that a lot. Uh, they really do a lot for their fans by putting out the reissues with B-sides to you know the songs that they release. They they include those on the reissues and the remasters. You know some of those you know like were Remember Tomorrow Live, which was a Paul Diano song. Um, so you know there's a um, there's always interesting stuff coming out of the Iron Maiden camp in terms of what they put out and what they show you. I know they just released another remaster version of this last year with the Eddie figure, I want to say, or a replica figure of the cover. I don't know if this, I don't, I can't remember if the Satan Lucifer character is part of that figurine or part of that figure statue, but I know the Eddie Part was, but they do a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, they they do a lot of B sides. They they've done a lot of other material that are not on the albums, and that's always been a cool thing about Iron Maiden. Just some additional facts about the record. The album was produced by Martin Birch. The artwork was painted by Derek Riggs. It was originally created for the song Purgatory but it was denied as too high caliber for a singles release, and they decided to save it for the album. So that's an interesting fact about the cover. The original 1982 artwork includes a blue sky in the background, and this was a mistake by the printers of the album cover. It was later rectified and became black when the album was remastered in 1998. So that's another interesting fact about it. Iron Maiden's Number of the Beast is the quintessential Iron Maiden record. It is the if you were to own one Iron Maiden record, I would say it's probably the Number of the Beast. Yes, a lot of the songs may be overplayed and maybe overdone, but those that does not make those songs bad. Those make those songs good. We can talk about all the other albums, we can talk about what they did after this. It's all great. Even their newer stuff is awesome. Their last record, Book of Souls, Matter of Life and Death, Final Frontier, Brave New World, Dance of Death. All those albums are fantastic. Iron Maiden continues to put out great material, continues to put out great albums. I don't know of a, of a band that has consistently done that over four decades. They are one of the biggest bands internationally. They're one of the greatest bands in hard rock and heavy metal. 
they have instantly recognizable album covers. They have an instantly recognizable mascot in Eddie. If you were to reshuffle the deck in, say, biggest bands of hard rock and heavy metal compared to what they were in the 80s, if you made this list in 92, they may or may not be included. But if you make the list now, they have to be. Iron Maiden is a band that has influenced so many rock bands that have come after. They are a legacy band. And their album, The Number of the Beast, is an album that every hard rock heavy metal fan should own. Once again, everybody, this is Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. This has been an episode of Classic Album Rewind. The album is The Number of the Beast. The artist is Iron Maiden. Have some fun this weekend. Revisit this album. Rock out to it. And leave your comments below on the posts on both Twitter and Facebook. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll talk next week. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.